The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. I have some incredible news. My second book, How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race, is now the number one new release in its category on Amazon. I'm so excited, so excited for this because we've put a lot of work into it and this was risky because as a lawyer who's focusing on negotiation and conflict resolution, talking about race seems for many to be outside of the scope of what I usually do. But again, how are we defining negotiation? We define negotiation as anytime you're having a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something. And as the podcast is titled, Negotiate Anything, we can negotiate anything. And in my years of doing uh, all of this work in the professional world, difficult conversations about race is something that comes up over and over and over again in the workplace. And there isn't really a, a solid resource out there that blends the fundamentals of negotiation and conflict resolution and effective communication with this particular topic. So it's risky. It is risky to venture in this way, but I'm really excited and encouraged by this early result. So this is not just a win for me. This is a win for you too, because you are part of this tribe. And so a quick note about the book. Who did I write this for? I, I wrote this for the person who is passionate about changing the world and their organizations for the better. The leader who leads a diverse team and the professional who wants to learn how to overcome the hidden barriers that make it tough to connect with people with a different background. So whether you consider yourself an ally or just want to avoid making a critical mistake when discussing race, this book is for you. And for you as a podcast listener, I'm making a direct request. After six years and over 600 episodes of Negotiate Anything, I'm asking for your support in this endeavor to make the world a better place. Our goal of the American Negotiation Institute is to change the world, and this book plays a critical role in making that happen, and we would love to have your support. We have the links in the description of this episode so you can get your copy of How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Kate, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. It is great to have you, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? So I'm a salary negotiation coach, and I'm also a compensation consultant. So um, I've been in corporate compensation for most of my career. I'm also a professional certified coach. 
and I really love to help people get more of what they want in their salary negotiations. That's fascinating. Okay. So I've never heard of a compensation consultant. So what does that mean? So I help um, companies from startups to Fortune 100 companies decide how to pay their people. So um, what I'm focusing on right now is uh, anti-oppressive pay, which is kind of a new um, field where we're looking at the systemic impacts of oppression and how they impact individual pay um, and how to remove them. Um, my company just became a certified B corporation. And so that, you know, we make commitments to uh, the community, our employees, um, society at large and the environment. And so um, I'm working with some other B corporations to uh, lessen the oppressive effects um, on their pay program. So that's super fun for me. That's great. And probably very rewarding too, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, fantastic. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that people make during their salary negotiation. So the listeners, they're familiar with these types of episodes. We've had a lot of people on talking about salary negotiations. And what we usually do is we tell people what they should do. But today we're going to <laughs> focus on what they should not do. And so, yeah. Kate, how could you set the stage for us when we think about the mistakes without getting into the specifics? We'll get into that in a little mm -hmm. bit. But why is it so important for us to understand what not to do during these conversations? You know, I think it's important because um, it's such a, an emotionally charged conversation and we all want to do our best in this area because it can have implications for us for our entire career. So, um, so I really want my clients to do a great job and knowing where some of the um, icebergs are really can help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I love the Titanic reference because if you make these mistakes, <laughs> they could certainly sink you your going negotiations down. for sure. No, this is great. And you know, something else too, is that the worst types of mistakes are the ones that you don't even realize that you've made. Because yes, a lot of times absolutely. these negotiations can fail and you you don't know why. And then you mm -hmm. go and you make the same mistake again in your next negotiation yeah so awareness is going to be good for you not only in these specific negotiations that you're having in this moment but also down the road so you can course correct and understand what went wrong so you could do what the right thing in the next instance yeah absolutely and we learn a lot about salary negotiations from you know friends and family and you know there are people who really don't know what's going on inside of a company who are giving people advice on this topic. And, you know, it can be really outdated or it can be, you know, just not uh, a cool way to do this stuff. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had a ton of experience on the other side of the table. And I also know how uh, pay programs are designed and, and things like that. And so that's one of the ways that I can help my clients um, situate themselves in a better way and help avoid some of these mistakes yeah this is great yeah because it, it's possible that the people who are giving advice have been making these mistakes too and they just didn't know yes. it <laughs> so yes. this is good so absolutely part of our, our mission here is to to end the proliferation of bad ideas so this is this is great right. so absolutely. so let's where should we start what what would you say is the number one mistake that you see people make in these conversations about compensation 
well, it's hard to pick a top one. I know we're going to talk about more than one. So, but I, I've, if I had to pick the first one, I would say, um, don't think, take things personally. When people take things personally, that's one of the biggest mistakes. Um, and you, you really have to look at it as a business problem that you're trying to solve collaboratively, right? I mean, this is not, it's not about you. And the way that companies pay people really isn't about the person at all. It's how much they value the work that you'll be doing for them. And so it's normal that different kinds of companies might value that work differently. And, and so you just have to remember that it's, it's really a statement on the work and not a statement on you as a person. And it's really hard to, to get that emotional distance, but when you can, you can be a lot more effective. 100%. Because if you start taking things personally, then you're losing that perspective. And then you'll probably respond emotionally. And oftentimes yes. our emotional responses are not the appropriate responses for the negotiation. They might feel good in the Absolutely. moment. Don't get me wrong. They right. feel great. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you have that. Or emotion. it might feel terrible. It might too, feel you know? I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. You're kind of, you don't know. It's, it's random in that situation, right? Because you sometimes yeah. the emotional response can, uh, can feel good. It could be cathartic in the moment and then the ramifications are down the road or maybe it feels bad in the moment too or maybe you get lucky yeah and so the, i think it's, it's really important to recognize the, the 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 difference between an emotional thought and a rational thought in the moment yeah and so it, it's easy for us to just say okay good next one we won't take things personally on to the next idea but it's easier said than done right yeah. so so what advice do you have for people who say well Okay, thank you. But it's hard for me not to take things personally. What? How yeah. do I actually do that? Well, and it is hard for everybody. Um, and but if you can really recognize the fact that this is it's a business problem that you're trying to solve, that's one way. Um, you know, I also advise my clients to think about negotiating on behalf of somebody that they like, but maybe not their super best friend, but but somebody that they think is is great. You know, so if I were negotiating on behalf of you, um, you know, I would advocate for you, I would be firm, but and and I would want a great outcome for you, but it's not, it doesn't impact me in quite as personal a way. Um, and and I think that's the mindset that if you can get into that, uh, it can be really generative. 100%. And so I think about it for me as a lawyer, I think about the times when I was representing clients. Um, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon because they can say things that are offensive about the situation. But since I have that distance, I can handle myself. I, I can think about several times in negotiations where I was uh, with my client and they said something that I knew that they would take personally. And I was just texting them, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just let me handle this. <laughs> right. Be quiet, be quiet. Because I have yeah. that objectivity. I have that distance. And it yeah. is a really powerful mental trick you can play on yourself to say, all right, I'm not Kwame, but I'm going to negotiate on behalf of right? Or yeah. Whitney, my wife, or my brother, Kobe, or whoever it happens to be. But I put that per that, that other person, I kind of other myself in that situation. It gives yes. a lot of perspective. Yes. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable, and we've done them all around the country. 
negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And we will be right back after this. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. It does. And and it's, it's going to feel better to you too when you can get that emotional distance because you become less reactive. Um, and, you know, it kind of builds on itself. You know, once you start getting a little bit of success with this, um, then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to calm down a little bit and you're going to be less emotional and have less mo- emotional reaction. So it's it's kind of a virtuous cycle. Absolutely. And and Kate, one of the things that I've done in the past um, in negotiations to, to get a little bit more emotional stability in the moment is take some time finding yes. some, the ability to pause. And so for people that are having these conversations, sometimes it feels like it can happen so fast. And you don't yes. have time to respond, those type of things. What advice do you have mm-hmm. for people as as it relates to finding ways to slow down so you can find that stability and respond appropriately? Well, I think one of the most important tools that we have in salary negotiations is silence. Um, so, you know, I, I recommend that when you make your requests, um, make a request and then be quiet. Don't try to jump in and fill that space um, because that's we're kind of socialized to do that. It's like, oh, silence is bad. Silence is not bad. And and you're not trying to trick the other person, but you want to give them a moment to process what you just asked for and really allow them the opportunity to respond. Um, if we just jump right in, oh well, if you can't do that, that's okay. You know, that's one of the things that we we commonly do in these situations. But but silence can really um, help in, in giving you space. And just like in interview um, kind of situations, 
people don't expect you to be, you know, boom, boom, you know, talking over each other and um, rapid fire kind of sitcom, you know, deal, you know, that's, that's not normal. Um, and so taking a moment, being deliberate, if you need some time, ask for time, all of those things are absolutely okay to do in salary negotiations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I tell you, um, one of the things I like to keep in mind is you're going to make more mistakes by going too fast than by going too slow in these difficult oh. conversations. You know, mm -hmm. the other thing is you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> Once you say right. certain things, you can't pull yeah. it back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Although, you know, um, sometimes, uh, I, I have clients who are asked at the beginning of the process, what, their salary ranges that that they're expecting and then they give a number and then they get to the end of the process and they're like oh man for what they're asking me to do that's not enough or they see the the package and the you know bonus percentage is less than what they're getting now and they you know it the number makes sense just in its own thing but it doesn't make sense in perspective to the entire package and so um that tends to be something that people are like, well, I can't put the toothpaste back into the tube. But one thing that you can do is if you get into that situation and you're at the end and you know, hey, this, the numbers that I gave you don't feel right anymore, um, you can you can just be open and honest and say, hey, you know, based on what the company is expecting of this role, um, I, I need to revise my, uh, my expectations higher. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm noticing that these elements are not included in the package and my going in assumption was that they would have been. And since they're not, I'm going to need to ask for a higher base pay. So, you know, yes, you can't unsay stuff, but you can um, mitigate yes. a little bit. Yeah, you can always recover. And I think this is a this is a really good point that you made here. Really important point. Because a lot of people will avoid having the conversation entirely because they're so afraid of making a mistake that they say, mm -hmm. you know what, the best way for me to make not make a mistake is by just not having the conversation, which is the yeah. biggest mistake <laughs> that you could make. Yeah, and it, it totally is. And and one of the things that we know from research is that most people who are in salary negotiations and make a request get something. Now, they may not get every single thing that they asked for. They may not get as much as they were hoping for, but it's the numbers like 80%. Um, and so why not? Why not ask? I mean, if you don't ask, you're certainly not going to get anything. But, um, but if you do ask, you might get something. And something is better than nothing. Exactly. In this case, I feel. Exactly. And one of the things that you brought up, I, I let's, let's flow into this one is, how do you handle it when they ask for your compensation requirements or what you hope to make mm -hmm. or what you made at your last job? Those type of things. I, I want to get your thoughts on how to handle that. And and I yeah. think before you say exactly what to do, if you could kind of set the stage and talk to tell what's at stake in this very moment, I think that would be a great way to start. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's... What's fascinating is that more and more states and um, local governments are prohibiting the salary history question, which I think is really good because what we know is that um, 
it advantages people who have had advantages in the system and it disadvantages people who have had disadvantages in the system. So it tends to perpetuate some of the things, you know, the inequalities around pay. Um, so, you know, don't tell people what your salary history is, um, you know, unless it was like gigantic and you're trying to match it at the new one. I don't know. I, I still wouldn't say what your salary history is unless you can not avoid it. But um, but what what I do like to have people do is kind of shift that, even if it's not illegal to ask in your state, um, just say, you know, hey, I'd love to um, share with you my uh, expectations. And one of the ways that you can do that is by basing it in research, which you need to do. You need to go out. There's tons of sources on the on the web. You know, just put in a search engine, you know, project management, salaries, you know, and you know, salary.com has great information. Um, Glassdoor has information about the company that you're going to be interviewing with. Um, there's just tons and tons of places that you can get good salary information. And, you know, sorting through all of that stuff is probably another podcast. But, but once you get it, um, you know, base your ask on what you're seeing. So um, the way that I encourage people to, to ask um, is my research shows that jobs like these make between X and Y in the marketplace. And based on my awesome experience or whatever you want to say, but based on my thing, I'm targeting the higher end of that range. How close can we get, right? And the, I could break that down for you if you want, but it, the whole thing is designed to help people really understand, A, you've done your research, B, you've got a range, so you're giving them a number of different ways to be successful with you in the, the negotiation. You're giving them a target. You're targeting that higher end. Um, so that's where you're anchoring them um, is to the higher end of that. And then the last piece is how close can we get? Again, this is a collaborative approach, which is something that, um, that I really recommend because I think a big mistake people have is treating salary negotiation like a cage match, which it's super not. Yeah, this is this is great. And one of the things that I like about your approach there, Kate, is the fact that you've given people something to actually say, because I think that's one of mm -hmm. people's fears. They say, well, what if they ask me that question? What do I do? Just say no. That's weird. Like, how do I how do I yeah. respond? But yeah. you've actually given a response that is that's reasonable and strategically sound in the negotiation as well. Yeah. But, you know, some people just can't they, they just they get like super vomity about it. They just can't deal, right? And so if you can't face the idea of doing your research and then anchoring things, you can also ask them, you know, hey, without knowing more about your total rewards package, it's hard for me to give you a, a number. Could you share the hiring range with me? And a lot of places will. Um, in, in some states, it's required to have it on their job descriptions. And for some kinds of companies, they are absolutely committed to putting salary ranges on there. Some places will, you know, maybe be a little bit shy about giving it to you, but most, most of them will. You know, you want to make sure that you're in the same ballpark. This is not really, you know, them trying to do a mind game with you or something like that. They just, everybody wants to know, hey, are we playing in the same pool? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and again, this is one of those 
I call them inflection points in these difficult conversations. The The entire conversation is important, but not all parts of the conversation are equally important. And this is one of those yeah. times where it's very, very important that what you do or do not do at this stage can have a significant impact on the outcome. And, and so I really appreciate mm -hmm. the fact that you've given people practical advice with the words to actually say in order to get the yeah. most out of it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, honestly, you know, I love the inflection point um, idea because this is an important piece of the conversation. And it, and because people know it's important, they get all freaked out about it. But, you know, do your research and, and get familiar with what needs to be said. Practice it because practicing it out loud is super important, um, you know, I know that I sound amazing when I practice in my mind, right? But with just like getting those words out into the open um, is really important, even if you just practice it with your dog or whatever, but you, you really need to speak them out loud. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's so important. It's so important. And when you think about role-playing this, mm -hmm. how what tips do you have for how people should actually do these role-plays with a friend or a partner or whoever it happens to be? Well, um, you know, I, I love the idea of kind of um, thinking about the different scenarios that could happen. So um, if you make a request for a higher base pay, which is one of the most common things that I see people negotiate, right? Um, they can either say yes on the spot, which is very unlikely. Um, they can um, say, well, um, I don't really know about that. I'm going to have to check with the hiring manager. That's the most likely scenario, right? Or they can say, no, it's not happening. We're not negotiating. So, um, so it would behoove you to practice how you're going to respond to all three of those things. If they say, you know, if they say yes, if they, you know, say they have to talk to somebody else, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to, how are you going to respond and just practice each of those three scenarios? This is great. This is great. When you think about mistakes that, are, that people make typically, what are some other things that come to mind? Um, one that I, um, I hear more with women than um, I do with men is this idea of giving away your power in order to be perceived as nice. So I had this client who, I mean, I just, love this client. And she was negotiating with her dream company. And she'd done some really great things along the way around, you know, talking that, to them about, you know, base pay and everything. And, and um, she got the offer and she said, well, you know, the offer's, the offer's really good. I'm just going to take it. And I'm like, <laughs> thinking to myself, well, why hire a salary negotiation coach if you're not actually going to negotiate but um but but you know we we talked about different scenarios what are the different pieces and you know it turns out that she was really concerned about um a sign-on bonus because um she wanted to um she was moving her family and there were some costs that were associated with um the the move that were not covered in the uh, relocation policy and all that kind of jazz so she decided she was going to focus on base pay and, you know, wasn't really confident she was going to get anything, but then also on that signing bonus. And um, so she talked to them and asked for the base pay and they said, geez, you know, we can't move any more than we've moved already. But um, with the sign-on bonus, um, 
they were willing to to move that very significantly in with you know multiple five figures um for her and so she wound up i think it was quadrupling her her sign on bonus um and she would have just left that on the table had she not asked mm-hmm. um and so you know again she wanted them to think that she was nice um which is great uh and, and one of the things that you are doing in the course of your salary negotiations is you're showing them what kind of an employee, what kind of a leader you are. So the way that you conduct yourself in these negotiations is going to have an impact on how you're perceived in the organization. And if you just give up all of your negotiation power and don't ask for anything, um, or if you're really difficult and try to negotiate 27 things, which, you know, spoiler alert, don't do that. Um, you know, they're going to look at that and go, hmm, this is the kind of person that we're hiring. Um, and if you're professional, collaborative, you know, you're looking at this a, a bit impersonally, you're really going to make a big impression on the people that you're negotiating with. And trust me, HR people do talk. (laughs) They talk to the hiring managers. They let them know when they've seen something particularly impressive or conversely, not so often. Right. Now, it makes a lot of sense. And again, this is one of those things where we say, all right, cool, Kate, I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask. But then the negotiation comes, but I'm terrified and I don't do it. So mm-hmm. this is one of those things where it's a, another emotional barrier. And so yeah. what advice do you have for people when it comes to overcoming that fear of asking for what they want in this particular negotiation? Well, you know, I think for me, I, I really do believe this and I share this with all of my clients is I, I think negotiation, salary negotiation is good for everybody. I think it's good for the candidate, I think it's good for the company. Um, Because when a candidate comes in and does a salary negotiation with the research, with the practice, and feels really comfortable about asking for things, um, they feel like, you know, they have to know what the package is. They have to really understand the package to do a good negotiation, right? right? So that's one thing that's helpful to the employee, but it's also helpful for the company. They want people to know and appreciate everything that's going into that offer, right? So, um, and and when people step in to negotiations and have a sense of confidence that they have represented themselves well, um, that also is a great way to enter a company. Now, again, you're not always gonna get them. You're not always gonna get exactly what you want and that's okay but if you've advocated for yourself you're going to feel fundamentally different about that offer and opportunity than you would if you just said "Mm, i'm just going to take what they're giving me exactly no i agree i agree and i i see we're coming up on time here so i want to give you one more um what are what is the last mistake that you want to discuss today that people make in the salary negotiations Hmm. I think the last one would be don't accept an offer on the spot. I think that's a, a, that's something that people want to do. Um, you know, they've been through in many times a very rigorous interview process, and it's very emotional, and they just can't wait to get to the finish line, and they just don't want to deal with emotional stuff anymore. But 
um, you rarely will have the power that you have um, for negotiation before, you know, that you do when you're a candidate. And so by not taking advantage of this and not doing that hard work, you know, you, you're giving up a lot. Um, and again, even if you don't get anything, um, I do think that it's an important thing because you're showing the company again who you are and that you self-advocate, that you do your research, and that you care about the stuff that you've actually read what they've given you, um, and that you're articulate in terms of the way that you ask for things. So I think all of those things combined, it's a win-win thing. Negotiate your salary every time. Um, the only time that I rec re recommend people don't do it is if the company say, says at the forefront, we're not able to negotiate the, the salary because you're in the training program and we're paying everybody the same. Even then, I would still try to negotiate for like a sign-on bonus or something, but, but don't accept the offer on the spot. Just don't do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that's a great note to end on, Kate. I really appreciate it. And listeners, I know you're probably saying, wow, I wish we had more. Well, just wait. It, hopefully we can have you back on, Kate, because I know there are a lot of other things that you can talk about. You literally wrote the book on it. So <laughs> we'd love to have you back. But before you go, can you remind the listeners about your book, your company, and how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. So my website is Kate Dixon, K-A-T-E-D-I-X-O-N dot O-R-G. And if you want to get in touch with me, info at katedixon.org is great. Uh, my book is Pay Up, uh, Unlocking Insider Secrets of Salary Negotiation. And that's available anywhere books are sold, um, at least online. Um, and, uh, you know, I do coaching. I do all kinds of different things. And I would love to hear from your listeners. Fantastic. Kate, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.